name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, Rez. Uh, we are so excited to be here worshiping again together. Uh, thank you uh, to all of you who might be new. We're, we're just excited that you're here with us, so welcome, welcome. Uh, we'd love to get to know you after the service if this is your first time here. Uh, so just find us, and or we'll find you, either way. But thank you for being here this morning. Uh, this past week, I had the privilege of attending a meeting of the Greater Austin Diaspora Network. It's this new network that's uh, actually led by a fellow Anglican here in the Austin area. And the hopes of this network are to collaborate with churches in Austin to love and serve our immigrant and diaspora communities that exist here in the Austin area. One of the topics of discussion in this meeting that we had was... The, the migrant identity of the church, of the people of God that we find in the scriptures. So much of the Bible was written in the context of migration. I don't know if you've ever thought about that before. But it's so much of the Bible was written and, and read and understood in the context of be, people being away from home. Migration, exile, wandering in the wilderness, missionary journeys... We have people like Abraham, Jacob, Moses, the Israelites, Naomi, David, Elijah, Ezra and Nehemiah, Jeremiah, Jesus, the Apostle Paul, and the list could go on of all of these people in the Bible who have stories of travel and migration, exile and sojourning, of being away from home. Even in the context of Israel, when they were actually established as a nation in the Old Testament, they still carried this migrant identity with them. In 1 Chronicles 29, it says, in the context of the people collecting offerings for the building of the temple, which is this grand representation of the establishment of the kingdom of Israel, right? So in the midst of this collecting of the offerings for the temple, King David prays this prayer. He says, but who am I and what is my people that we should be thus to offer willingly? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. Sound familiar, by the way? For all things come from you and of your own have we given you. And then David goes on to say this in his prayer. He says, for we are strangers before you and sojourners as our ancestors were. Our days on earth are like a shadow, and there is no abiding. Our Old Testament reading for today, which we just heard read from the book of Deuteronomy, finds the people of Israel at the end of a long migration. God had rescued the people of Israel out of Egypt and had brought them through 40 years in the wilderness. And now this migrant people were on the edge of the promised land. God was about to establish this migrant people with a home. And on the edge of the promised land, the word from Moses to the, to the people of God was a stark word. Moses here presents to the people a simple choice, right? In verse 19 it says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore, choose life. That you and your offspring may live. God's call to this migrant people was crystal clear. God was establishing them in the promised land, but it didn't mean that their future was secure. They weren't exempt from living lives of faithfulness to God. 
If anything, living in an established home in the nation of Israel actually made fidelity to God harder, more challenging for the people as we witness in the rest of the Old Testament, right? This is why the people of Israel had to go into exile. So the call before them was simple in, in, in Moses' words. He, he sets before them life and death. If we fast forward to our gospel reading for today, we get another similar-sounding similar simple word from Jesus. Our time in the Gospel of Luke finds us at a point in which Jesus is on his own migrant journey, on the road to Jerusalem. And if you remember from last week, I talked about how Jesus, on the road to Jerusalem, encountered many different people along the way. In the passage just before this, which we preached on last week, Jesus was in the house of the leader of the Pharisees. And today we find Jesus back on the road. And it says, large crowds were traveling with him. There was something compelling about this Jesus, that he had crowds that would follow him everywhere he went. And like Moses before the people of Israel, Jesus speaks to the crowds on the road and gives them a simple choice. A choice that's no less challenging though, right? If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Can you imagine being in the crowd and hearing these words? Imagine the excitement and the anticipation in the crowd as they followed Jesus and witnessed his teaching and his healing and his announcing of the kingdom of God in their midst. And then he says this, if you want to follow me, you must hate your father and your mother. What is going on here? What is Jesus getting after in the text for today? David Augsburger, a former professor from Fuller Seminary, wrote a book. It's a good book. It's called uh, dissident discipleship. And he talks about discipleship in the book as radical attachment to Jesus. Radical attachment to Jesus. If we want to know what Jesus is getting here, getting after here in Luke 14, this call to hate father and mother and wife, wife and children, it is this call to radical attachment to Jesus. You see, Jesus is naming here in Luke 14 some fundamental relationships and things that exist in our lives that we can become so easily attached to, right? Family, possessions, even life itself are all things that we can become so attached to in life and that these things have the ability to to take over our priority of following Jesus in our lives. So in other words, Jesus is being intentionally hyperbolic here. He's exaggerating to drive home the point that he is inviting us to a deeper attachment to himself. Whatever it might be in life, family, possessions, our commitment to flag and country, technology, our careers, whatever it might be, the list is long of things that can get in the way of following Jesus, right? Things that get in the way and become idols for us. And the reason we seek after these things is because they provide security and identity, don't they? This was true for the people of Israel in the Old Testament. The land provided them security and identity. And these aren't necessarily bad things, right? The land or the things that we uh, have in our lives, like family, possessions. These things can be good except for when they are misplaced. 
And we find our security and identity in them instead of Jesus. And so Jesus calls the crowds to a deeper attachment to himself over and above all of these attachments that we find in our lives. Like David in the passage from First Chronicles that I just mentioned earlier, we recognize these things, these possessions, as but a shadow of our true home. Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks about all of these earthly attachments that come up in life in his book, The Cost of Discipleship. In, in it, Bonhoeffer says, earthly possessions dazzle our eyes and delude us into thinking that they can provide security and freedom from anxiety. That all the time, they can actually be the source of anxiety. And he goes on to say that the cross is laid on every Christian. The first Christ suffering, which every man and woman must experience, is the call to abandon attachments to this world. Jesus' call here in Luke 14 is a call to radically attach ourselves to Jesus, to his tender mercy and care. Jesus' invitation here is an invitation to align ourselves with the kingdom, where our security and our identity are secure in the death and resurrection and reign of Jesus. I think this is one of the reasons why the migrant identity that I talked about earlier is so crucial. The the way in which we find this migrant identity in all the scriptures is so crucial because on the road, In the wilderness, as sojourners, the people of God always had to place their full trust and dependence on the God who led them into those places. Think of the people of Israel in our Old Testament reading, who up until this point spent their days in the wilderness, where God provided for their every need for 40 years. Though they didn't have a physical home to be attached to or to find security in, their home, their, their security, and their identity was in the God who led them through the wilderness. Jesus on the road to Jerusalem was inviting the crowd to give up the very things that promised security and identity. To give up the things that they thought were home to them. And follow Jesus who was their true home. Whereas in the midst of so many competing claims for security and identity in this world, today we proclaim the good news that Jesus is our true home. When he invites the crowds to hate father and mother, brother and sister, possessions, whatever it may be, it is an invitation to reorient and place our trust, our security, and identity in Jesus. Y'all have probably heard the quote from St. Augustine, His famous line, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. In other words, he's saying, our home is with Jesus. When I was at this diaspora network gathering this past week, one of the speakers shared about his experience growing up. He was a a boy living in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, but he was actually born in Taiwan. He and his family emigrated here to the United States when he was young. And he shared this story about how when he was a young kid, his family didn't live near other Taiwanese families in the DFW area. So every Saturday, their family would travel over an hour to go to this other part of town where there was an enclave of Taiwanese immigrants. And every Saturday, they would visit. They would go to this, this, these people's houses, and they would visit with this little community in the Dallas area. They would share a meal together 
And the speaker shared eventually that he, he asked his mom, why, why do we do this every single week, every Saturday? Why do we go travel over an hour to go visit and share a meal with our friends? And her answer, her answer was simple. She said, it's because we miss home. Because we miss home. And in those weekly Saturday gatherings, those families got a taste of home in the midst of a land that was foreign to them. Even if it was just a few hours. They experienced home with friends and family. Whereas there's, I think, something to learn from these diaspora and immigrant communities about what it means to be the church. What it means to be a people longing for home. There's no question that the church in the U.S. has gotten far too attached to all sorts of things. To the things that we think provide security and identity. We have forgotten that we are sojourners. We are a migrant people called to attach ourselves not to a land or a nation or money or possessions or tribe or family or anything else. Whatever it might be. We are called to something deeper. We're called to a deeper attachment to Jesus, our only true home. And like these Taiwanese families who gathered every week in Dallas to share a meal because they missed home, we also have an opportunity every single week to gather around a table to share a meal. And the question before us is, when we come to the table, do we miss home? When we come to the table, do we long for Jesus, our true home, to come near to us? Do we long for a deeper attachment to Jesus to find our security and identity? Or have we found home too much in this world? Whereas these are the questions we have set before us this morning. If you look at your life as you have it right now, what are the things in your life that you are attached to? that keep you from missing home? What are the things that are keeping you from longing for Jesus? In other words, where are the places in your life that you seek security and identity in a way that keeps you from actually following Jesus? This is the heart of discipleship. I want to share one last line from Bonhoeffer's Cost of Discipleship. It's a great book. It's like, it's like I'm preaching a lot of what Bonhoeffer is saying in this book. So it's a great book if you want to ever pick it up. But let me close with this. Bonhoeffer says, as we embark upon discipleship, we surrender ourselves to Christ in union with his death. We give over our lives to death, to carrying that cross. Thus it begins, the cross is not the terrible end to an otherwise God-fearing and happy life, but the cross meets us at the beginning of our communion with Christ. As we come to the table this morning in just a little while, Jesus invites us to carry our own crosses in communion with the one who carried his, all the way to death for the sake of the world. And as we follow him in this way, Jesus invites us to find our true home with him. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You're listening to Resurrection South Austin, a community of faith, learning to do life together in the goodness of God. For more information, you can find us online at resaustin.com.